0: Hi everyone, the following podcast is a Direct Message Network and Podcast One Production,
1: where your direct link to your favorite stars. What's up? It's Sierra, new member and ambassador for WW Weight Watchers Reimagined. Since joining, I feel healthier and more confident than ever. The new MyWW Plus, our most holistic program ever, gives you more of what you need to lose weight, like tools to help boost your mindset, get you moving, and plan meals based on what you have on hand. Plus, over 300 zero-point foods you don't have to track. The new MyWW Plus, more holistic, more personalized, more weight loss. Join today with a limited-time offer at ww.com this podcast is brought to you by
0: ragu old world style traditional sauce a great sauce starts with the best ingredients ragu old world style traditional sauce is that great sauce inspired by our founder's original recipe ragu old world style traditional sauce is made with delicious ingredients including vine ripened tomatoes chopped onions garlic and olive oil simmered together for the authentic taste you and your family will want to come back to for recipes, sauces, and mealtime inspiration, visit ragu.com. All
1: right, guys, if you're like me, um, you like free stuff. And I have a free sample for you guys to try this week um, from OxyClean Odor Blasters. I don't know about you guys, but uh, our place has been getting a little funky uh, because we're doing some working out out in the garage, and we're bringing, all obviously, our, our clothes in, uh, and they're just nasty, at least mine are. Uh, I've got a couple dogs who, you know, are all around the house and they are also nasty sometimes, but OxyClean has, has done magic for me. Uh, these little odor blasters, they just blast away the funk, uh, that you would imagine is, is in my workout clothes and on the dog's blankets and on the rugs, uh, and everything else that they touch. So if, uh, if you've got some of that going on in your life and, uh, you want to rid it with something that's super powerful, uh, and will just blast away that funk, uh, I got something free for you to try. So you've got to try OxyClean Odor Blasters for yourself. To work your magic with OxyClean, go to OxyClean.com slash TryMe and order a free sample. That's OxyClean.com slash TryMe, T-R-Y-M-E, for a free Odor Blaster sample while supplies last this is adulting like a mother father thanks for tuning in to learn more we applaud you now sit back relax so baby keep it pushing while we have a couple laughs and maybe get a little mushy but don't forget to take a deep breath adulting can be hard sometimes just take the next step pick the right foot up and put in front of the left you do this over and over and you'll be the head of the rest and let me introduce you to the star of the show daniela monet i bet you probably heard her say
0: chicago
1: Well now she's all grown up and got a little baby boy His name is Gio, Damn, what a bundle of joy We're a tribe of three, but we're building a community So come along, it's time for some adulting
0: Welcome back to Adulting Like a Mother Father I'm Daniela Monet, the mother
1: And I'm Andrew, the father
0: And we're both
1: adults adult.
0: And if you're an adult or just trying to be one This is the show for you It's a big day It's election day,
1: yes? Huge day.
0: (laughs) It's a a weird day. Um, We're recording on a Monday, so it's not officially election day yet, but it will be when everyone's listening to this. And I think there's like this air of, I don't know what Uncertainty. Uncertainty, a little bit of weight, a little bit of angst, Um, or maybe some people are out there just living their life and letting things happen as they do. Um, I like
1: the people out there saying things like, regardless of who wins, even if it's not my choice, guess what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna go to work, I'm gonna be happy, I'm still gonna love people, I'm gonna, I'm gonna live my life the way that I was.
0: I, I resonate with that, um, because I think ultimately, regardless of who's in power, for lack of a better word, we all have the choice to control or create the future that we want, right?
1: Yeah, which is a great segue into our guest today. Um, Call him a friend. His name's Doug Bobst. Um, I'll get into more about how how we met him, but uh, he has an amazing story, a story of uh, struggle, addiction, um, even went to jail, Mm
0: -hmm. uh,
1: and then the comeback story of the century. Yeah. Uh, But he talks a lot about choices and accountability and how making... Just taking responsibility for your own choices and seeing the positive effect that it has on your life. So I'm excited to get into that. We will Mm -hmm. later, but until then, let's do what we do. Let's get into some adulting wins and fails. Do you want to kick it off?
0: Sure. Um, My adulting win is... Okay, so I've talked a lot about... um, wanting to work on some stuff that I'm struggling with. Um, and so I actually had reached out to a life coach who is also a hypnotherapist. She's a spiritual coach. Um, she kind of just fits the mold of, um, I guess someone that I'm somewhat needing at this point in my life. You know, it's funny. I, I've been wanting to look into therapy and I know I've mentioned this in the past on, on the show, but, um, I've had a hard time finding or knowing where to look to find a good therapist. And so I put feelers out and I was listening to a podcast yesterday and heard an interview with this woman and it just felt like it was really timely. And so my win is, is that I reached out. Um, and we had our first, I guess, like intro session today and I'm not going to lie. Like, I think the fail is that I'm still pretty nervous about just the whole experience. Um,
1: what makes you nervous?
0: My, what makes me nervous is having to deal with things that like I've made okay for me for a long time and things that,
1: but what if some of those things are okay and what if some of those things maybe need some adjusting or maybe need some work and like, what if doing that work made your life so much better?
0: And that's why I'm, I'm doing it. I'm, I'm going to commit. I'm going to, I'm going to see this through. Um, because I know that I'm not living to my fullest ability. There are things that I've made. Okay. That aren't okay. And, Um, I know it's going to take a lot of undoing and a lot of correcting habits that I need to correct along the way in order to get to a place where I can feel balanced. Um, I'm really good at what I've learned is I'm really good at masking how I maybe feel super, super, super deep down under so much so that I can fully lie to myself and Mm. tell myself that I could be okay living this way, which is pretty weird to feel. And I'll give an example because yesterday Andrew was talking to me about how I have a hard time connecting with even like the closest people to me, my own parents, um, friends. I've never really made like strong connections and I... And that like landed with me and I told you straight up, like, I'm okay with that. Like, that's not something that I require in my life. And you came back with like, that's sad. That shouldn't be the truth. Like you should want to be, um, close to people. You should want to have these deeper connections. And I could not get that out of my head. So yesterday I'm literally going through our new sugar taco location. It's like upside down and all this stuff is very exciting, but I couldn't stop thinking about how, Maybe I'm not living like a deeper life with like the people in my life. Like maybe I'm going to regret not having these relationships, um, in the future. And so I just don't want to have that. And so it all kind of came to a head when I was listening to a podcast and here we are.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think it's great. I think it's beautiful. I think working on yourself, Uh, is a really good thing. I I think that there's nothing wrong with it. Uh, If anything, I applaud you for taking that step. Uh, Like I told you earlier this morning, I do feel like it's long overdue, but I don't want that to outweigh the fact that you're taking the step now and, um, you know, going on a journey that I think is going to be amazing for you. I think as far as the connections go, um, most people would agree. I think it's probably the most important and impactful thing in anybody's life. You know, you could, you could let your whole life go by and you could, you could have accomplishments and accolades and material things or whatever makes you tick. But at the end of the day, I mean, this is, it's sort of somber to like throw this out there, but when your time is up at some point, when you're getting close to that, you're not going to remember any of that other stuff. The stuff that's going to stick out to you are your experiences, the people that you had in your life that you loved and, uh, your experiences with those people. You know, I know one of the things that stuck out a lot to me, Steve jobs had a few good quotes and and I'm not even going to try to say a quote, but he, he said this on his death on his deathbed, basically that he wished that he worked less, because at the end of the day it wasn't important. And you look at everything that like Apple is, and everything that he was and accomplished. And here's a guy who had everything. Say that he wish he would have done that less, and he wish he would have made deeper connections with the people that mattered most. So as like as as deep as that is, and as somber as it is, like I just think it's it's a simple truth in life.
0: Yeah, totally. I mean, I'm not. I'm not disagreeing with you at all. I just feel like, um, this is all coming to a head and, um, I don't know. It's so weird because I don't have some of the struggles that our guests have. Right. You know? And Mm -hmm. that's why I think this conversation was really interesting because people can struggle with things and turn to an addiction. Um, and No matter how we handle it, um, we still have our struggles. Like we're all human beings. And so, yeah, even though this doesn't feel like an addiction for me, like I don't have a drug. I don't have something that I have to like rid of. It feels like just the feelings and having to deal with them. I don't know. Like it feels like a lot that I don't want to do.
1: (laughs) Totally. I get it. It can be overwhelming. Yeah. I want to just package it up a little bit better for anybody listening. Um, because we're probably jumping around, you know, a bit, but at the end of the day, it it does transition so well into this interview that we did with Doug. Um, you know, of course your problem is an addiction has never been addiction, but I think everybody can relate. We've all had events or trauma that we've gone through in the past that have really shaped us into who we are today. And the, Some of those things are good. Some of those things are bad. And we all, regardless of who you are, can work on ourselves and make ourselves better for not only ourselves, but then the people that we love most. Right. Totally. Um, So in your case, it's like my perspective, if I can just like the cliff notes is you've gone through some things. They've, they've shaped the way that you approach connections in your life. Um, I don't think it's all served you that well. Uh, and, and could use some work. That's my opinion.
0: Yeah. Uh, No, I'm, you're right.
1: Yeah. In our, in our guest case, he went through some things just like you do or did just like I have. Um, and the way he coped was different. Totally. I mean, he turned to drugs and has this has this crazy story. So
0: um wait, before we get into it, I want to hear your adulting when in fail. <laughs> oh,
1: it feels it feels so light and simple. No, please.
0: I'd love some light and simple. I feel like everyone would love some light and simple.
1: <laughs> okay. So okay. So along the same lines, my I'll start with the fail. My fail is that we've just been battling the last few days and, and it comes down to what we've been talking about is is lack of connection and specifically between us, like I just feel like When shit hits the fan, we don't connect well and it's hard to, it's just hard to do life like that because, you know, we're in our thirties now, we have a kid, we have a ton of responsibilities. Uh, We're dealing with all the external pressures, just like everybody else is. It doesn't serve us well when we can't connect when we need it most. Totally. So that's my fail. The win on a positive note (laughs) is that, uh, we have this baby that's turning into like a real little boy already and it's scary how fast it's happening (laughs) But specifically he's like doing this thing like in the last week or two where he's like running and tackling me now. Like he just (laughs) runs and like, puts his weight on me and it's like, as, as a dad, yeah. it's the the best thing ever.
0: And as a mom, let me give another example, you know, and like you see in movies when someone kneels down and a kid just runs into their arms, yep. that's also happening. Mm-hmm. And it is just a bandaid for absolutely yeah. everything. Yeah. So if anyone needs to feel better about um, their day or the, I guess um, confusion that might be in our future, um, you know, just think about a little being just coming up and giving you the biggest hug. And I think a therapist would probably say, from what I've seen in the movies, picture yourself, your little child, your inner child, you just running up to that child and giving them a nice big hug and pushing them on the swings and going to get ice cream and telling them everything's going to be Okay. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So on that note, should we take a quick break and come back with our guest, um, Doug Bobst?
1: Yeah, I think we should, but quickly. Yes. Just quickly. Um, Quick backstory on Doug. Doug uh, was hitting up the adulting DMs on Instagram, and uh, Kelly, basically our social media manager for adulting, uh, had been responding, and uh, she had relayed the message a few times. We were just so busy. Um, that we didn't really pay it a whole lot of mind. Long story short, he was really persistent. and We talk about this in the interview, which is something that I like. I respect so much because I, I know what it was like in sales. Building that quality was so valuable. And this dude is like the definition of persistent and tenacious. And again, we'll talk about it. Long story short, he was hitting up the DMs didn't see any success in terms of like getting in touch with us and like finding himself on the show, but did enough finally caught my attention. We ended up in the same business mastermind class with Chris harder, another guest that we've had on the show. And, uh, we connected that way cause we had more common ground at that point. We connected. We've talked a few times. We actually met in person for a coffee of, of all things, of course. Um, and, uh, and
0: here he is,
1: <laughs> here he is. Like, and it, it, honestly, it was a great fit. He has an totally. amazing story um that if you can't relate to personally i know that you have somebody in your life that can relate to it so give it a listen guys you're in for a treat
0: awesome we'll be right back more adulting like a mother father when we come back Now it's time to move into our all-time favorite underdog success story, Movement Watches, founded on the belief that style shouldn't break the bank. They've sold almost 2 million watches worldwide by bringing quality design at fair prices. Now, I'm a huge fan of Movement, so is Andrew. We've, I mean, I've had watches of theirs for a while now, but I just got one recently, and I think it's called the Sienna. It's like a two-tone watch, and then the necklace that everyone has been asking me about on Instagram. You guys, it's called the Kiss Pendant Necklace if there are any, well, honestly, anyone, go buy one for your love. Okay. It's all about love. It's sharing love. It's designed by Kim Rose. It's like a signature art pendant expressing love in different forms. There's this whole thing on it. I'm so obsessed because it's so cute. They, in the, the whole
1: backstory and everything. Well,
0: I'm looking at the website because someone was asking me just literally recently saying, Hey, where did you get that necklace? So I posted about it, but um, big fan of movement.
1: Yeah. Likewise, they make dope stuff. And you talked about not breaking the bank. I mean, take the watches for example, right? I think they start at just 95 bucks. Usually you're looking at like three, 400 bucks for the same quality from a traditional brand. Guys, they know watches. They know accessories. They've sold almost 2 million watches in over 160 countries, which is so cool. I mean, it was literally founded by two college dropouts. And if I remember correctly, because I've heard their story, they were working valet at the time. They Thought of this idea. Love it. Right? Crazy. All right, guys, check out movement. Get 15% off today with free shipping and free returns by going to movement.com/slash adulting. Uh movement's launching new styles on their site all the time. So check out their latest at movement.com. Go to movement.com/slash adulting. Join the movement.
0: Mvmt.com. Just making that clear. <laughs>
1: And now back to adulting like a mother father. There are a few that are a better fit to come onto our show and share their story than you. Um, we'll get into it shortly, but uh, as a backstory quickly for the listeners, I just think that you have a super, super powerful story of struggle, addiction, um, jail, <laughs> but on the other end of it, Uh, an amazing comeback story and you've seen some incredible success after all that. But, um, why don't we start with this? Tell us who you are and then just give us the story, man.
2: Yeah. I mean, Danielle and Andrew, thank you so much. First of all, for having me on and all that you're doing to kind of help inspire change, positivity and bringing people together um, with your show. And, The the ironic thing is, you know, I'm a personal trainer today. I host a podcast called The Adversity Advantage. I've written three books and all that amazing things. But it wasn't long ago that my life was in shambles, man. And, you know, as I said, I host The Adversity Advantage. And I was the king as a kid of using adversity to my disadvantage, and I had so many insecurities growing up that I was just looking for the first way to escape because my parents got divorced when I was five. I suffered every single form of abuse. I was bullied. I was picked on. I never had a girlfriend uh, in grade school. I loved sports and yet was as unathletic as they came. And originally, I think in my younger years, like 10, 11, 12 years old, I turned to food to deal with that. And I would eat cinnamon buns for breakfast and tons of bacon and sausage and pasta. And I just had no understanding on nutrition, obviously. And then couple that with the fact that I had horrific genetics, I started to gain weight at a young age too, which of course worked highly against my self-esteem as well. So, you know, when I was 14, I had the, the real first big opportunity to escape when I was offered, uh, hit off a marijuana pipe. And when I first took that hit, I felt this monkey come off my back. I felt all my fears were gone, my insecurities. I felt like i could be myself. I didn't have to worry about if I was ever going to find love. I didn't have to worry what my relationship was going to be like with my family. I didn't have to worry if I was ever going to go to school. I didn't have to worry about anything. And I know you alluded to the fact that I went to jail earlier. And I want to just point something out. I never, ever, ever thought in a million years that when I started smoking pot, I would end up in jail. Nobody does, but that's typically where it starts, right? And it's not the fact that I was smoking weed. It was more that I had the the gateway trauma and insecurities, if you will. And the weed was just a solution for that. And so I began just chasing that numbing feeling, right? I mean, it's not like I love the taste of smoking weed. I was just like, I need to feel good about myself and forget about the world's problems. So as you can imagine, One hit leads to two, leads to three, and I'm slowly smoking every day. And then once you start smoking every day, you got to pay for it. So I sell a little bit on the side to support my habit. This, of course, causes strain in my relationships at home. And my mom ended up kicking me out of her house because we split custody, being that they were divorced when I was 16. Went to my dad's house, who lived about 30 minutes north. Changed high schools within 24 hours. Thinking that would really changed my habits, but really it just gave me more of a, of a reason to use because now I had the, the insecurity and trauma being kicked out of my mom's house and barely ended up graduating high school because all my friends and I did was ride around, smoke weed, listen to music and eat fast food. That was all we did. And we would skip class to go smoke. And so now I'm, like I said, barely graduating high school. And I was always a smart kid as I think about it. I had these dreams of, I mean, I know Andrew, you have an accounting background. I wanted to be a CPA. I wanted to be a lawyer. I wanted to be an astronaut when I was like a young kid. And here I am barely graduating high school, not going to a four-year school like most of the people I know were doing. And so I began to continue to smoke. And now when I, got out, when I graduated high school, I'm selling even more pot. I'm actually making money now. I'm picking up um, you know, anywhere between a half a pound to a few pounds a week to sell. And I start getting into cocaine because I was just looking for anything to help escape myself and, you know, feel outside of who I was. And my addictive behavior caught up with me. A little bit of Coke turned into me snorting an eight ball a day. And the problem was I had anxiety and depression that I was battling too from all my insecurities and anxiety and Coke go about as well together as someone trying to lose weight, eat pizza every day, just doesn't work. And what really did me in was I was about 18 years old, 19 years old, and one of my friends offered me a 5-milligram Percocet. Just I just did it to try it, and I ended up having that same monkey come off my back that came off when I first started smoking weed come off my back again when I took the Percocet. And the problem is with when you start smoking weed is you can only get so high. You can only numb so much pain before you have to continue to increase your dosage to, to get that same effect. I was smoking like a quarter ounce of pot a day. Right, So the five milligram Percocet was just the next level up from that. And that led me down the highway to hell. And five milligrams led to 10 to 20 to 40 to the point where I was putting three, 400 milligrams up my nose every single day to support my habit. And I had to do about 150, 160 milligrams just to get out of bed. Half my left nostril was missing. And I just had no hopes of really living past my 25th birthday anymore because my friends and I would always joke if we couldn't get high and have fun anymore, what was the point of living? And what I thought at the time was my greatest setback ended up becoming my biggest blessing. And everything kind of came to a head for me on Cinco de Mayo of 2008. I was riding around with a few of my friends to go make a drug deal. And I had a half a pound of pot in my car, $2,000 in cash. And our cop was running radar on the night of Cinco de Mayo. And I had a busted headlight that I'd been meaning to fix for months. And of course, because of me being so lazy with being high all the time, it didn't get it fixed. I flashed the high beams and it gave the cop a reason to pull me over. When of course my dumb mind was like, well, he won't pull me over. He sees that I have both functioning lights, but really I just high beamed him. So he was like, why is this guy high beaming me? Pulls me over and, you know, one thing leads to the next. He pulls me out of the car and searches it, finds a half a pound of pot in my trunk, $2,000 in cash, puts me in handcuffs and puts me in the back of his cop car. And in that moment, my heart sunk to the pit of my stomach. I am shaking with anxiety. I had any dreams that I thought that I had that even the slightest were shattered and gone Every bad choice I ever made in my life, including my circ- the ones I made in response to my circumstances, ones I did on my own, they all came to a head. And all these memories kept flashing before me. It was the divorce, the bullying, the abuse, the girls rejecting me in high school. All of that was just flashing before me because I'm like, how did I get here? Because it's never like I said, when I first started smoking, I was like, yeah, I'm going to end up in jail. Like, nobody thinks that because if, if, if everybody knew that's where it would go, nobody would do drugs. But nobody thinks it'll get there, is the problem, including me. And I go to jail, go to court a few months later. It was uh, September of 2008. And you would have thought by this point, I would have cleaned my life up and been like, you know, I'm facing jail time. I just gotten arrested on felony drug charges because I was charged with a felony, intent to distribute marijuana, that I would stop. But really, it just gave me more of a reason to use because now I had even more pain to mask more insecurities, more fears. And I go there, I do no, no preparation. No, I don't take any drug classes. If I took like drug classes, that would mean I'd have to pee in a cup and pass my test, which I wouldn't. wasn't going to do. And the judge sentenced me to five years, suspended everything but 90 days, gave me five years probation, 200 hours community service, all kinds of fines and drug classes and convicted me of the felony. But he looked at me and he's like, Doug, you're 20 years old. He's like, you're young. This felony conviction is going to haunt you for the rest of your life. Because back then, this was 2008. It was much more stigmatized than it is today. He's like, I'm going to give you a break. He's like, but you're going to have to work. He's like, if you complete everything without messing up, no missed probation appointments. Uh, you do your community service. You behave in jail. Uh, no failed drug tests, I'll take the felony conviction off your record at the end of your five year sentence of five years of probation and. I'm standing in court. I was high then. I had gotten high before I went to court. I was going to get high when I got out. And like I said, I didn't think I was going to live to see 25. So I was like, yeah, whatever. I'll take it. Leave court. He gives me a few weeks to kind of get my stuff together. And I, of course, keep using drugs because like I said, now I have even more anxiety and fear about my life. And I report to jail about a week after my 21st birthday, October 21st, 2008. I get to jail. I'm, of course, terrified, mortified because at this time I was, again, out of shape, out of my mind and mentally, physically, and emotionally broken. And I detoxed cold turkey in there for three weeks straight, which for anybody who's listening to this, who's ever had a loved one or maybe you've experienced this yourself, it feels like you're trying to crawl out of your own skin for three weeks, uncontrollable bowel movements, vomiting, nausea, insomnia, you name it. I had it for three weeks. And my cellmate was like, when you get done your detox, you're going to start working out with me. And I was like, are you freaking kidding me? At the time, I could have been a model for Pillsbury. And my cellmate was a more – I always describe him as a more jacked version of Brad Pitt from Fight Club. This guy was shredded. And I remember one of my first few nights in there watching him do thousands of push-ups, hundreds of pull-ups, running all these laps, climbing the bars. I was like, who is this guy? And to this day, I've been a trainer now for almost a decade. He's the fittest guy I've seen pound for pound. And so he kept begging me to work out, begging me to work out. And eventually, I just said, nah, man, like I can't. He's like, well, what are you even in here for? And I told him my story. And I said, man, my parents got divorced and I was bullied and girls rejected me. He's like, he's like dude, quit being a victim, right? He said it more harshly. We were in jail. He said, quit being a victim. He's like, you got yourself here. He was like, did anybody put a gun to your head and force you to use drugs? I was like, no. He's like, did anybody force you to sell drugs? I'm like, no. He's like, you chose to respond to your circumstances in that way. And that's why you're in jail. He's like, plenty of people go through what you went through and didn't end up in jail. He's like, you have two choices. You can either stay there and be the victim or you can be the man. Look yourself in the mirror and say, if anyone's going to change, it's going to be up to you. And while it wasn't what I wanted to hear, I wanted to, clearly I wanted to be coddled, right? I wanted some sort of love. It was what I needed to hear. And I felt this sense of power for the first time in my life because somebody in my life that had no skin in the game with me, this guy was my cellmate. I mean, who did he – what did he have to lose or gain? Gave me some real advice. And I was like, wow, he's right. Because I felt – I looked and I was like, all right, my life until this point when I played the victim and blamed everybody else for my problems and responded this way – I had 21 jobs by the time I went to jail. I would like get fired or quit whenever I could in the job. I couldn't hold a job. I busted relationships. I was addicted to drugs and I was selling drugs. So clearly I didn't know what I was doing by the way I was behaving. So I let that mindset kind of sink in. And then after him pestering me for a few weeks, I finally, you know, agreed to give exercise a try. I remember one night, it's one of the most uncomfortable days of my life, getting down and doing a push up in front of a bunch of grown men in the common area. Couldn't do a push up for my feet. I'm like, dang, couldn't do one for my knees. And I'm looking at him I'm like, dude, why can't I do a push up? He's like, because you're fat. And I hated that word because kids called me that when I was younger. I was always given a hard time about my weight because I was like the kid who was just over fat when I was a kid. And I never wanted to be called that again. I just, I swore to myself in that moment that was going to be the last time anyone ever freaking called me fat. And it invigorated me because I could barely also walk up down the steps because I was smoking like a pack, a pack and a half of cigarettes a day too. And you couldn't smoke when you're, when I was in jail. And I was just like, how did I let myself get here? And so we, I remember we set a goal, which honestly I had no idea I was going to be able to make. It seemed so far fetched then, but today it's like, I can't, you only said what to do 10 push push-ups and run a mile by the time I left jail. That was my goal. And with his motivation and encouragement, and they're training me in there every single day. By the end of my 90 day sentence, I was able to do a set of 10 push ups and run a mile. And I felt this light bulb go off inside of me, guys, that I never had in my life this sense of accomplishment, this sense of self esteem, this sense of, wow, I can actually do something I never thought I could do. Because I think that's part of the battle with any kind of transformation, whether it's from addiction, health, relationship, that you feel the odds are so stacked against you. So you don't even try, but when you don't even try that eliminates you from even succeeding. So you're automatically disqualifying yourself, which is the very thing you don't want without even like putting yourself forward. And I had that whole, I had that mindset backwards up until I got into jail. I was like, wow, when I actually put forth effort, stick to something, have fortitude and grit, I can make anything. And I remember just being like looking at myself in the mirror one day and like, "I'm never going to touch drugs again, and to be honest, my track record up until that point proved otherwise because I consistently abused my body from the ages of fourteen until the day I went into jail, and the uh, the relapse rate is so high people who get out of jail and go back is obviously is high too, so the odds were so stacked against me, but I knew I had two choices: I could believe that I was going to fail and I was going to get out and continue to use drugs and it just didn't even matter anymore. I was just going to go down that same road. I knew where that got me. Or even though I really didn't believe it because of the odds being so stacked against me, I could have this blind faith, this blind belief in myself that I knew if I could just be freaking relentless about improving myself every single day, one step at a time, one day at a time, knowing that I could do doing the things that I knew I needed to do, exercise, how I ate, who I surrounded myself with, my attitude towards myself and how I treated others gave me a chance to make it. No guarantee, but at least gave me that chance. And I think so many people, like I said a minute ago, disqualify themselves in their own transformation because they don't even give themselves a chance.
0: All right, everyone, sit tight and we'll be right back for some more adulting like a mother father. Okay, you guys, with the holiday season right around the corner, we're all getting into the spirit by indulging in the sights and the sounds and the scents of the season. One thing I made sure to do was update my native collection with their candy cane holiday scent. I don't know about you, but if there was literally a Christmas I could rub underneath my armpits, that would be Native deodorant, okay? <laughs> I just want Christmas underneath my armpits in all of the parts. I just need to smell like Christmas, and that's just my that's my motive I here. don't think
1: there's anything wrong with that.
0: Okay, good. Well, this is how you accomplish it. <laughs>
1: okay. Well, it sounds like you're doing it. I'm doing it. For everybody else, Native is the perfect addition to your daily routine this holiday season uh, and their candy cane gift set. Also makes for a great gift option and all the native products are great stocking stuffers for you guessed it. Everybody on your list. If you didn't already native is risk free to try. Every product comes with free shipping within the U S plus free three day of returns and exchanges. See why so many people love native and check out their over 14,000 five star reviews. Wow. That's a lot. Yeah. Um, Okay, so give the gift of Native by going to nativedeo.com slash adulting or use promo code adulting at checkout and get 20% off your first order. Make sure that you guys order before December 7th to get your products in time for Christmas. That's nativedeo.com slash adulting or use promo code adulting.
0: All right, guys, we're back. Here's adulting like a mother father.
2: So I cried when I went into jail. I cried when I left jail, ironically, because I felt my life had been changed so much by this guy helping me. And I remember looking at him before I left, the day I left, it was one of the most emotional days of my life. I said, hey man, how am I ever gonna repay you? And he said, just don't mess up and pay it forward. And back then I didn't understand, honestly, what pay it forward meant. I thought it was some woo woo like weird term, but now clearly I get it. He gave me a workout plan that I still have framed in my place today. So I never forget where I came from. I swore to him that I would stay on this plan and not uh, mess up. And even on the workout plan, it's, I, I put it back. It was sitting across from me the other day. There's these slogans that I still live by, by. He said, like, remember, you're no longer a fat. You know what? Uh, you never have to be one again. Eat smart. You know, I'm not there. So it's up to you. Make sure you work hard. And I still carry those lessons with me every single day. And even with my own clients, I help them with those things. And so I got out, stayed on the plan that he gave me. I uh, lost 50 pounds and then got to a place in my own fitness where I wanted to help other people use fitness to change their lives. Because I thought to myself, wow, if I can do this and I can go from the guy who couldn't stop using drugs, not just weed, but like painkillers every day and feeling like crap about myself to where I am now, I'm sure there's other people that feel this way too. And I was just on a mission to help other people use fitness to change their lives. So I became a personal trainer back in uh, April of 2011 and got a job at a local wellness center that gave me a chance because I was a convicted felon still at the time. I had to check the box when I applied and I begged them for my job. And I think this is where people can really have success is just, you, you talked about being tenacious and just doing what it takes. I literally looked at the hiring manager and said, look, I'll do whatever it takes. If you hire me, I'll pee in a cup every day. I'll show up on time. I'll stay late, whatever it takes. Fitness changed my life. I just wanted to help other people. I was like, just give me a shot. So they gave me a shot. And I could just tell that I, I was so, something special happened with inside, inside of me and that I was blessed and given a gift because I built a really successful training business quick. And I was never salesy. I was never the person that was like trying to cheat the system to get sales. I was just able to relate to people and get beneath the surface And talk to them about their problems. Because most people, when they're trying to accomplish a fitness goal, it's not the 10 pounds they want to lose. It's not getting stronger. It's they want to look at themselves in the mirror and smile. And be able to be happy with who they are. And I could relate to that person who frowned. I could relate to that person who stared at themselves in the mirror and freaking cried. Because I was so upset with who I'd become. And I just had that special gift with clients. And my new high became helping people. And time really flew by. And in, uh, January of 2014, my probation had been up, uh, a few months before we wrote a letter for modification of my sentence, because I completed all the stipulations the judge gave me and I went to court and he took the felony conviction off my record in January of 2014. And the owner of the gym came with me. I had, uh, my grandparents, I had some clients and I just honestly didn't remember, I didn't know the, the ability of h- how quick your life can change, right? My life changed in a matter of seconds from being shackled as a felon and now being a free man. I'm able to vote, I'm able to travel, I'm able to do all these things that I couldn't as a felon. And after that, I, I really felt that I needed to do other things besides train. I felt that I didn't want to just be a trainer. I wanted to be a guy who inspired other people to recover from addiction and give people hope. And so I shortly after the felony came off, I wrote my first book from felony to fitness to free to inspire people to make the most of their second chance, turn negative into a positive and focus on how far they've come and not how far they have to go. But more importantly, that life's about choices. I made some bad choices when I was a kid that led me into my incarceration. I made some bad choice on who I surrounded myself with, what I put in my body, how I talk to myself. I still deal with some of those old demons of mine, whether it's the anxiety, the depression, the fear, the stress which changed is how I deal with it, right? I deal with it now in exercise, in having a positive community, in listening to podcasts, in journaling, in walking, spending time with my dog, whatever the case may be. And so after I wrote my first book, I became so excited to share my story because after I wrote my book, I'd have people come up to me and say, oh my gosh, I'm buying this book to give to my son who's in prison. I'm buying this book to give to my brother or whoever it was. I was like, really? I was like, I barely graduated high school. And I mean, I guess the, the easiest way to put it is ever since then, I've been on a tear and I've been, I think my tenacity in beating drug addiction and my tenacity, in my workout routine has, has transferred into other areas of my life. And my story has been able to be on things like the Today Show and in men's health I've been able to get on a show with a guy like Tom Bilyeu, who, for those of you who don't know who Tom is, he helped start Quest Nutrition. They sold it for a billion dollars on his show, Impact Theory. I've been on Rich Roll's podcast. I've been able to to kick it with Gary V on on his show, Tea with Gary V. And then along the way, I've also been able to write a few more books and then start my own podcast called The Adversity Advantage. Where I help interview or I help tell the stories of other people who have turned some trials into triumphs and have had some amazing people on there as well. I've had guys like Trent Shelton who, you know, some of his videos on Facebook have over a hundred million views. He's one of the most inspirational, motivational guys of our lifetime. Grant Cardone, who's got a social media following over 10 million people between his platforms, wrote the 10X rule. And also having somebody like Gabby Reese on who is probably the best volleyball player to ever play the game. First Nike spokeswoman, super inspirational story. And I think it all goes back to just this ability to do what it takes and not give up and be so committed to my mission that things just play out. When you put in the work, you build relationships and you you do the right thing with integrity. And I've also been blessed to be able to keynote speak Um, at schools and I spoke to the Clemson, to the Clemson football team last year at the time, they were the defending national football champions to share my story. And this is the same guy who had panic attacks when he was a kid. This is the same guy who was afraid to ask a girl out the same guy who was putting so many drugs up my nose to make myself feel better, was able to do that. So I want to like, kind of, you know, put it back to you guys and say that just anybody who's listening, who thinks that they're down and out right now, that, you know, if you stay there and you focus on that, that's where you'll stay, right? If you already are um, assuming that you're never going to make it, you won't. But if you can just commit just to starting with where you're at right now and the things you can control, the things that you know will help you feel better every single day and making sure the things that will make you, that you are doing that make you feel better are also aligned with who you want to be in the future. You will change. I promise you.
0: Doug, that's super inspiring. Thanks for being so honest. Um, I actually have a question about, um, so when you got clean after coming out of jail, was that like the first time for you that you decided I'm done? Or did you have times before that where you tried to get sober before?
2: Um, That was the first time I had really tried. I mean, before I had just had so much money coming in from selling drugs that it was never an issue for me to really want to stop. I always had the funds. Which I think a lot of people they need to stop because they can't afford it. Right. But then I also got myself into so much debt after I got busted, I would borrow, was borrowing money with my, for my brothers where I got to the point where I had $10,000 in debt to pay back to them for lying to them at what I needed money for. And they would give it to me and I'd go buy drugs but I just—I never had belief that I could stop, because I, I just said, if I stop, then, you know, how am I going to deal with life? I knew I had to keep chasing that numbing feeling.
0: It's interesting because so, I, I just wanted to figure that piece out because I feel like a lot of people have um, patterns where they try to like wake up and snap out of it, or you know, but it sounded like it took something like jail and that man in your cell to like really pull it out of you. And for those of you who or for those of the listeners that don't have that same sort of like hit the bottom and and maybe have that same kind of person come into their life. Do you have any advice for those people that may just be like tired of it, but not tired enough, but know that they need to stop at some point and they just need someone to tell them that this is the time?
2: Yeah, I think, you know, I, I made a post yesterday or something, I tweeted out something that was like, I think you need to have a strong enough why attached to whatever goal you're trying to achieve before life attaches the why for you. And meaning, like, I th- I don't think people think about the their ramifications if they continue to go down that same path. And that the rock bottom might not be jail, it could be death, right? And I think if people can just think of that as, like, you know, at the end of the day, what's my why? What's the reason I really want to do it? It's not to just get clean. It's to save your own life. Maybe it's to save a marriage. Maybe it's to, uh, for your daughter, for your son. I think a lot of people forget that they need to, to attach something deeper than just the fact that there's, they need to stop drugs. Right. Mm-hmm. And then what happens is in the worst case scenario, something big actually comes for them and somebody overdoses or the wife or your husband leaves them or the kids just say I'm done with you I'm stop I'm going to stop talking to you and then sometimes it's too little too late. Yeah. You know, and I think also it, so many people try to focus on like where they're going to be at like 10 years from now. And I'm like just focus day by day because yeah. if you fo- if you're like trying to all, to think about like long term, well how am I going to make it to 10 years? Like you got to first work on getting to the, to 10 minutes first. Just mm-hmm. like anything else, it doesn't matter if it's addiction, it doesn't matter if it's fitness, it's all related. I feel Instead of trying to hit that home run with whatever you're trying to do, just focus on hitting singles and stop focusing on um, like the long term goal. You'll get there, but you have to do the little things first. You don't I mean, so many people talk about five year, 10 year, 15 year goals. This thing is amazing, but there's not one person that sets goals like that that doesn't do the, the things daily to get there. And that's what I think it comes down to. And I think as addicts, people, they're so used to having that instant gratification where if they don't feel some sense of accomplishment right away, they'll be like, well, what's the point? And that's why I strongly advocate like, pivoting your habits because you know any behavior or action you take will influence how you feel. So if you're struggling to snap out of a rut, just sitting there and thinking about it is going to make you feel worse. And that's a choice. And the other choice is to go for a walk for 20 minutes or to call a mentor you trust. Everybody has somebody in their life they trust, whether they want to admit it or not. Watching a funny movie, journaling, other things, other things to get that feel-good chemical, that dopamine going. And then you can impact how you feel. Mm-hmm. And then what happens is that becomes your new normal. Like once you start having these things in your tool belt, you're like, wow, I can feel good now with taking a 20-minute walk. Or by going and watching a movie or writing or skateboarding or whatever the activity is, it might not feel as good at first as doing drugs, but I feel a lot better afterwards than when I do drugs. Because what happens, you people are like, all right, I'm just going to go get high. feels good, then they do it, and there's all this shame, like, why did I do that again?
0: Yeah, I think that... Uh, like can apply to so many different pieces of people's lives, people who don't use drugs. I mean, I know what you're saying really lands with me because bad habits are bad habits, regardless of like what they are.
1: Uh,
0: And it's so important to acknowledge them because it's a lot easier to pretend that they're not that bad and that you've lived life with them and that you can continue to live life with them. But you're right. Like, I guess, introducing more good ones to override those become a habit in itself, but you have to be consistent. And I think that's just part of being an adult. Like no one's going to police this for you, you know, like you really have to be an advocate for yourself. And you're a perfect example of that because, you know, what I'm saying is like, you can, bad habits as being an example for so many things, but drugs is like really the, on the other extreme of the spectrum spectrum where it's really hard to, to quit a habit like that. But yeah.
2: And I think it's the hardest part is having to take the masks off and look at yourself in the mirror and saying, you know what? I'm the problem. It's not my parents. It's not my siblings. It's not my former boss. It's not my ex-girlfriend or boyfriend. It's me. That's freaking hard. Right. But what's also hard is 10, 20 years from now, looking at yourself in the mirror with a ton of regret and shame for not changing because you didn't do the thing you know you should be doing. So I always ask people, like, what's the story you want to be telling your grandkids or your kids at the end of your life? What's the story? Is the story, man, I have so much regret. You know, I should, I had all this talent, I had all this, this character, this curiosity in life, I was creative, but I, I blew it all on drugs, and I knew I should have stopped, and I just couldn't do it. I didn't have the courage to take a chance on myself. Or do you want to be telling the story? I mean, like, gosh, one of the hardest things I ever did was changing my friends and, and stopping with these bad habits and dealing with my crap and not using drugs and turning to things like exercise and other positive habits. It was so difficult, but it taught me so many lessons, and I wouldn't be who I am today if it wasn't. Like, what story do you want to tell? Because the problem is, we all have a story. All of us are writing our story as we're living. What happens, though, is we have a bad chapter, and instead of like picking the pencil up and continuing to write, we throw it down the sewer drain. But you think about every good book we read, there's some chapters like, eh, that was all right. And then some of them were like, man, that was phenomenal. It was a good comeback story. It's the same with your life. We're all going to have bad chapters. You're not going to win the Super Bowl every year. You're not going to hit a home run every day. But what counts is you just keep going. You don't quit. I mean, at the end of the day, when you quit, you, that's that's what you do. You've quit. But when you just keep going and you fall and you get back up, you fall and you get back up. You work that failure muscle, right? I like to, to, to say that you have to work your mental muscles just as much as you work your physical muscles. The better you get at failing, the more the, is comes from failing more, taking chances on yourself and being okay with it, being comfortable with looking like a fool because you tried. But there, there's a, and again, I just, I made something about this today. It's like, would you rather look like a fool for trying or feel like a fool 20 years later because you knew you didn't do the things you should have done?
0: More Adulting Like a Mother Father when we come back. Have you guys checked out some of the styles that Express has these days? I'm not kidding you. It's like they're new and improved. Everything's really comfortable and cozy. The quality is incredible.
1: Girl, when you want to talk about quality, versatility, (laughs) uh, the essentials that you compare with anything else that you already own.
0: Yes. Express is where it's at. They've got those Luxe Comfort Denim. Um, They're like jeans made with extra stretch, super soft fabric. So they're as comfy as like your favorite sweats, which let's all be honest, have we put on jeans recently because I would been probably only wear jeans if they felt like sweats. I only got
1: one pair right now outside of the express ones what's it
0: like to have jeans that fit you um
1: uh, they don't fit me that well these days anymore <laughs> you know because I've been squatting
0: oh that's a good problem to have um all right guys check out some of the cozy styles that are great for staying in stepping out or pretty much anything in between shop express in stores and online now all right, guys, we're back. Here's adulting like a mother father.
1: I have so much to say, but I almost, I almost don't want to say too much or ask too many questions because I feel like, number one, you know, you and I have connected a few times now and you've given me like little blurbs and the cliff notes on your story. But man, I got to say you're a really good storyteller. So I took anything from that. I mean, it was a powerful story, but I was like, damn, this guy is good. You're almost built for this, man. So I feel like it's your purpose to be telling the story because I feel like it's super helpful. Um, But I wanted to come back. What I really, really appreciate about you and your story and your message is how much you talk about choices and accountability. I just feel like The idea that we can all be accountable for the way we think, our habits, our outcomes, I feel like that accountability piece is missing in a lot of people, missing in society. And I love that people like you who have lived it and you've seen the end of the spectrum where you don't take accountability and then the end of the spectrum where you are and you've seen the effect that it's had on your life and the positive effect. I just think it's so cool. That There's people like you out there talking about this stuff.
2: Yeah, I think for me, it took, I mean, coming off the drugs and getting to jail and I'm a, I'm a math guy. I love math. So it took like a plus B equals C for me to look and say, okay, when I wasn't being held accountable to myself or I was blaming other people, this is where it got me. I was in jail. And I just got to the point where anything the old Doug did, I didn't want to do. So if the old Doug lied, I wasn't going to lie anymore. If the old Doug ate cheeseburgers, the new Doug wasn't eating cheeseburgers. If The old Doug was going to skip a run. I wouldn't do that. And that's what kind of helped me be accountable to myself. And I also realized that I became more confident when I was accountable to myself. Right? I, I became more confident when I admitted when I was wrong. I became more confident when I knew I didn't know everything. I became more confident when I wanted to focus more on self-improvement, knowing that I didn't have it all together. Because I think there's this, this thing with our ego where we want to make ourselves feel right all the time because we don't feel good about ourselves inside that when we admit we wrong, we f- we're wrong. We think it's like a character defect. When really, I think admitting when you're wrong is one of the greatest strengths of a human being. And it took me a while to learn that and realize that. But if I hadn't and, and still haven't admit when I'm wrong, I would not be where I am today. And the other thing too is into the whole personal accountability is that that no one's coming to save you. I was waiting for someone to come save me forever. I was waiting for my parents. I was waiting for whether it was validation from women, drugs. I was waiting for someone to come save me. And the moment we relinquish control over our actions onto somebody else, we lose. Like if you're waiting for the government, if you're waiting for your family to to save you, you're going to be waiting a long time. Because in the in the people I've come across, there's not one person that said that they changed their life because the government helped them out, or their family. It's they made the choice. It starts with the decision in that moment, and if somebody else helps you along the way, that's a bonus. Great. I'm not saying that we shouldn't help each other out. We should. But my point is, the transform the transformation happens because of our ability to make a, a choice, not for someone else to make the choice for us, right? And. We spend so much time, so much time focusing on what we can't control, people's opinions, uh, who we're going to end up marrying in 20 years, um, what the stock market's going to do, who's going to be president, whatever it is that we forget about what we can control. And that's what's in front of us. We can control how we act. We can control what we're watching on TV. We can control whether we're going to exercise, whether we're going to use drugs. Those are all choices we make. Right. And it, I think one of the biggest choices that we need to own is who we surround ourselves with. And, you know, I'll still keep in touch here and there surface level with some people that I knew in high school, because I mean, they weren't bad people. Right. They were just I just knew I couldn't spend time with them or I was going to end up in trouble. And um, but now my the people I surround myself with are totally different. Because I believe our environment can create a false sense of normalcy. I thought doing drugs was normal and partying like I did was normal because that's all everyone around me did. So that became my new normal. And if you're somebody who is trying to change um, your own life and move ahead and have a better future for yourself, and the top five to seven people you're spending the most time with are doing drugs, partying, lying, making bad decisions there's a good chance you're going to continue to be that person or become that person in the future. But on the flip side that I've, and I've experienced this firsthand I'm not just saying this because I'm trying to promote some course where you can make money. I'm like, honestly, this is how I've changed my life was I, when I've surrounded myself with people that were not the same as me, better than me, people that I was like, wow, like they're freaking killing it. They inspire me. They hold me accountable. They're keeping me in check when I'm not behaving right or not thinking clearly or whatever it is. That's when life can change. So if you're around the same five to seven people and they are people that are focused on personal growth, uh, they're health conscious, they're committed to service, they admit when they're wrong, they're good people, you're going to be one of those people too. And that's why I love whenever anyone's like, well, how do I find new friends? I tell them to start in the gym because typically most people in the gym, Have goals and they're pretty positive, right? And they're nice people and they're not in there, you know, getting wasted while they're exercising. They're in there trying to better themselves.
0: So true. I mean, I feel like my closest friends I've made throughout the years have always started from I worked at a gym or I've always been a gym rat. You're so right about that. Yeah. That's good advice because I was going to ask that question because it could be very uncomfortable to surround yourself around these people that are of elevated mindset when you're not feeling like you're adequate enough. And yeah. so starting somewhere where there's like a neutral territory where you're both working out, you have that in common, and then people can get, you know, it's kind of like an a entryway into, you know, friendship, I guess, or conversation where, I mean, it's not as vulnerable as it would be if you to like... I don't know. It's, it, I I can see how that can be intimidating. I just know from you know some people in my life when when people aren't feeling good about themselves, it can be a challenge to be around other people that are maybe feeling better about themselves. So a gym is great common space. Does that make sense.
1: Yeah, totally, totally. And uh, you know, I'm curious to get your thoughts too because the other day I think you were on the call too during the the mastermind. Lori Harder said something about not being afraid to pay to get into the room that has the people that you want
2: to be around. Um, yeah, I think, you know, sometimes I think there, there's that where if you want to, and I think it goes back to, if you want to, if there's somebody that really inspires you and maybe they're speaking at a conference or they're leading an event or you know, they're, they're going to be at a certain place, maybe at another event that someone else is hosting that I, I think if you want to get in that room, um, investing some money to get there will pay off because especially if it's people that have some notoriety or they're getting flooded with DMS every day from thousands of people, you got to make yourself stand out, right? If you really want to be connected to that person, but just make sure like anything else, you're doing it for the right reasons, yeah. making sure you're not just doing it to get a selfie with them and say like, woohoo, look at me, maybe just see, maybe it's because it's somebody that really inspired you and you want to maybe just go shake their hand and say, thank you because uh, because of their content and their work, you were able to generate X amount of revenue or you were able to get back on track with your goals or maybe you you know you beat addiction. And then have play the long game. Like where like where do you want that relationship to lead? And not in a in a u- in a using way, but just being like, how can I add value to, to that person's life on a continual basis? Because right? just remember people are busy and if it's typically if it's somebody who has a big following or they have some fame or whatever you you provide little to no value to them. Like you, they're providing the value to you. So you got to really be creative and be like, all right, like how can I make myself known to that person where I can add value to them? That's the biggest piece of advice I actually give to people when they're looking to speak on podcasts. I'm like, forget about your message. Think about what the audience wants to hear. That's, what's important. Like right now, when I'm talking to you guys, my mind isn't, What's Doug Boebs saying? It's like, how can I speak into the minds of whoever is listening to this podcast? And I think that there's so much correlation between what I just said in life. Like, think about how you can continue to serve the people around you. And that maybe if it's somebody you want to get connected to, your friends, your family. And then when you, because when you lead from the heart, I believe things come back, right? And I just think you put off this aura that people just become um, attached to you because they see something's different, something's different about you. And I I think fitness is the catalyst for so many other areas of success in life. Cause I want people to think about it this way. People can be spiritually fit, right? They can go to church. They can read um, meditations, whatever they do spiritually. They can be mentally fit. They can set goals in their business and achieve them. They can be emotionally fit. They can go to therapy. They can practice gratitude. But that won't guarantee they'll be physically fit if they do those three things. But if you're physically fit, it elevates those three other areas of fitness so much more. You're sleeping better. Your relationships are better. You're performing better at your job. You're feeling more connected to everything around you because you're so connected to yourself. And I cannot emphasize enough the importance of exercise. And when people ask me what to do, it's not that I'm saying, hey, if you're somebody who's listening, who's you know, never worked out. I'm not saying go to the gym for two hours. I'm like, go for a 10, 15 minute walk. Just get started. Mm -hmm. Right. And the best workout routine anyone can do is the one that they'll actually stick to. It's not the the next best thing on the internet. It's not the next internet pro or the next program you see your neighbor doing. I mean, if you really like that and think you can stick to it, cool. But make sure you're doing it because you want to do it, not because they're doing it and you want some sort of validation from that.
0: Yeah, no, you couldn't be more right. It's um, I didn't. I mean, you never know how it's going to go when you talk to someone for the first time. Andrew just sort of said, "I think you, he's got a good story. I think you know a lot of adults can relate, or even almost adults, right? Like a lot yeah. of age." Um, so I appreciate you being so open. I think it's crazy how much, so much of life comes into conversation when you talk about addiction fitness it's like the pillars that um that we sometimes ignore you know and if it, it feels like you're really balanced and you've worked really hard to become more balanced and it's inspirational so I appreciate you being you know open
1: yeah likewise dude I'm stoked that we connected And I got nothing but respect for you and I'm so glad like we were able to make this happen and have you on yeah um, me too so thank you uh just to leave things where they should be, let the listeners know where they can find you.
2: Yeah. I mean, of course I, like I I've, I've said a few times I'm the host of the, of the adversity advantage podcast, which I'm extremely passionate about interviewing people from all walks of life who have turned trials into triumphs and their top tips and tricks on how they've gotten there. I've had some amazing people on there. And then I'm pretty active on Instagram on uh, at Doug Bobst. And then if you go to Doug Bobst.com, it's got all my info. There's some more, um, articles and media stuff about my story as well as my books are available there. And just more about me and what I speak about. And yeah, I mean, I'd love to connect and I hopefully, um, y'all got a lot out of this.
0: Thank you, Doug.
2: Yeah, you're welcome.
0: Awesome. Well, I appreciate, um, your story. I'm going to be in touch with you. Cause I, I want to talk more about, um, Possibly connecting with someone that I care about. So, um, and for those listening, do can you do you coach?
2: Yes. Oh, there yes. you go. Perfect. Okay. Yes, yes, I do coaching. I. It's funny. I I rarely I, I put myself out there as a coach, but it's more very passive about it, right? Because I just want I always make sure it's the right fit. I always make sure that you know I'm not being forceful about it because. You know, I know when people are struggling and they're they're dealing with some stuff, it's it's serious. And I just always want to make sure that, you know, my story and my methods or whatever aligns with where they're at yeah. and that they can reach out if um, they have any questions or they want to talk or they think that I'd be a good fit.
0: That's fair. Well, thank you again. Thanks for coming on Adulting Like a Mother Father.
2: <laughs> and, thank you.
0: Well, I'm sure we'll be in touch.
2: Yeah, yeah, for sure.
0: See, you you, man. See ya. See ya. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back in a few with more adulting like a mother father.
1: Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do, and I bet it can be hard work. You know it's easy bundling policies with Geico geico makes it easy to bundle your homeowners or renters insurance along with your auto policy
0: and it's a good thing too because you already have so much to do around your home go to geico.com get a quote and see how much you could save it's geico easy visit geico.com today that's geico.com
1: and now back to adulting like a mother father
0: all right guys we're back um Different kind of guest, right? I mean, we don't necessarily talk about addiction and. No, we haven't gone there yet. And things like that. But it is something that I'm sure a lot of people can either relate to in regards to someone in their family. I know I personally can. And I think I want to talk about that more because it's probably one of the layers that affect my own mental health, right? You know, and if you have a loved one who struggles, as much as it's hard for them it's hard to witness that as well. Um, so i want I want to talk more about that in the future for sure
1: yeah, I know we've thrown around the idea of, of you're talking about your brother mm-hmm. we've thrown around the idea of, of having him on the show too because I think a lot of people along the lines of of this conversation with Doug, you know a lot of people would listen to Mario and either relate personally or um, again, they would just, they would have somebody that they know in their life, whether it's a family member or a friend or a friend of a friend. Yeah. I just feel like we're all connected to this issue and it doesn't, doesn't even have to be drug addiction. I think you can boil it down to bad habits that are controlling somebody's life. For
0: sure. Yeah. (laughs) It's yeah. 100%. Um, Anything else you want to say? I mean, I know it's a weird day. It's like a, is it a weird day? I can't tell. It's a weird I have day, no but I, idea. I don't want to
1: focus on that. I okay. don't want to focus on that because I think we all have more power than we were led to believe, you I know? like that. Yeah. So I don't want to say that like, you know, one scenario playing out over the other is, is going to be detrimental or, you know, have this massive positive effect on your life because I think you individually control that more than anything mm-hmm. else. And that's what I want people to think about more often.
0: Yeah, it's true. It's, it's funny. When, when Doug was talking about really pulling that strength and that confidence from himself... Um, it resonated with with me because I know I keep thinking, oh, I need to turn to someone for assistance or support or like I need to work through this with like someone who knows what I'm going through. And yes, that may be true. And I think that that's definitely something that's helpful. But at the end of the day, like if you want to change a habit or if you want to live a different life, we have to choose to do that. Like we have to make that conscious decision to do that, and make it over and over and over again until that becomes the new habit. Um, yeah, it's crazy how much we can talk. We're literally talking about ten different things, but all relating to the same yeah, it's thing. Kinda it's kind of one. It's literally all just one. Like yeah, I don't
1: know if we've ever jumped around this much, but at the same time, been like in the same seat. You know. Yeah. <laughs>
0: It's weird. It's like, yes, there is a presidential election that's happening. And yes, there is a lot of weight put onto this whole thing. But at the end of the day, like our own life, our own world, like what we create and manifest in our own four walls is also just as important and more important and, and and literally more important because it impacts us personally and what we are and who we are impacts the people around us. And that has its own trickle effect. So I guess, I mean, I'm so glad that you said what you said because I feel like so often people not necessarily shame you, but like, if you don't speak out about, um, you know, the candidate that you're supporting or whatever it may be like, well, what if
1: you don't support any of the candidates?
0: That's a good point. You know? No, I, I to- What if it's just, just so we've, damn we've confusing? We've talked a lot about that.
1: It's very confusing. And what we're talking about <laughs> is confusing now, but I, I do want to touch on this. It's not, a, it's not everybody's job. It's not our job to talk on every matter that's going in, on in the world. Yeah. You know what I mean?
0: First of all, I would not even want to because I'm not the right person for that. Exactly.
1: We're not experts.
0: Yeah. No, certainly not.
1: Um, so yeah, so I'm confused now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I hope that um, people listening are having, you know, a good day and realizing that there are a lot bigger struggles um, in the world that people go through all the time and get over all the time. And that no matter what we're all going through individually, mentally, physically, emotionally, we can all persevere and be a dug. you know, slide into Doug. the DMS and Doug. tell us your Doug's story, gem, right? Like, yeah. because these stories are what help mold people's, I guess, idea of what is actually possible. It gives you like a tangible, Story, I keep saying story, but it's like it gives you like actual blueprint that this happens for people. It really does happen. So when you feel like you're down and out, yep, just remember people people get through it all the time.
1: Yep, yeah. Two things quickly, and then we'll head out. Yeah, with Doug's story and so many other stories of people uh, having a comeback in any sort of way. It, I like the way that he told it and it simplifies things, and it's like it always brings me back to. There's no people are sitting around waiting for something to happen to them, like Mm -hmm. a magical solution. And it's not that like the answer oftentimes is so much more simple than people believe in his case. Right. It was like literally changing his habits. And to go back with you to what you said, like it's all in the action. Mm -hmm. That's it. I know. That's it.
0: I know. It's almost like we need to be like, we need that playing in our minds over and over and over again. Like just make a better choice right yeah, now. But here's in the, the thing moment. you
1: do it once you do it twice, you do it three times. And it's like, whether it's your mind or your body or whatever, these habits become solidified. Right. And you're just, you're just flexing that muscle over and over and over again. And it just becomes routine. And you start doing things without even thinking about it. And then when you stop doing those things, that's like, Almost like your new problem because everything in you, your body, your mind or whatever is screaming at you saying, Hey, you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. And now your body or your mind's feeling it. And I'm going to remind you to get back to what you should be doing. Does that make sense? Yeah. Because that's what I feel. I go, if I go two days, three days without exercising in any fashion. Everything inside of me is screaming.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, like I'm definitely more stressed. I'm definitely more irritable. Um, my body feels off. Yeah. Uh, all the things. So, I think
0: we all have those things that like we pretend aren't as important as they really are, and
1: well, they're like the the pillars of.
0: No, I know, but the accountability factor, and I know this is so basic, but like I feel like I'm just catching on to this in my thirties. It's like I know what I can do to help myself, but still, sometimes I choose otherwise, and I don't understand why I do that. And I think what I use to mask. That is to say, no, it's because I don't need it. I'm fine without it. It might just be
1: because you believe that not doing the thing that you know you're supposed to be doing is easier than actually doing the thing.
0: That's probably it. You know,
1: but it's funny. I would imagine, I would argue that once, whatever it is, once you start doing the thing that you know you should be doing, you're like, damn, I should have done this. Ten years ago, this is way easier than doing what I was doing.
0: I know. And that's why I think this interview is interesting, because the whole like looking back and not regretting things is really important. And I think for, you know, anyone who's listening of any age, it's like we all have a a, I I guess we all really should evaluate where we are right now, Mm -hmm. right in this moment. And think about, well, what will that look like 10 years from now? Am I going to think, oh, my gosh, I did everything I could to live my best life? Or am I going to think, why didn't I do everything yeah. I could to live my best yeah.
1: life? I think the the question that he brought up was super powerful. And I think it's it's something I remind myself of. At mm-hmm. some point, you're going to be of influence to somebody else, whether that's uh, your kid, a niece, nephew, just somebody that looks up to you. And like, what story do you want to be able to tell to that person? And what what Like, even if it's not a story, like, what do you want that person to think about you? Right. So I'll leave you with this because I think it's important. With everything going on, today's a big day, bigger for some than others. When everything is chaotic, focus on what you can control, not what you cannot control.
0: I love it. Good job. Peace out. (laughs) Good night, everyone. Thank you for listening to this episode of Adulting Like a Mother Father. New shows drop every Tuesday on the Direct Message Network on Podcast One.